Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I noticed a pattern with their health and, you know, they weren't people who really worked out a lot or ate healthy. And I didn't want to continue that cycle. There's a lot of cycles. I just didn't want to continue in general, whether it was like, you know, um, financially how they were or mentally how they were also with their health. I wanted to be that person who kind of changed, you know, break generational curses and just kind of made the change. And I wanted to live a healthier lifestyle because I want to live long. And if I have children, I want them to live long and I want them to understand that eating better and being physical in the gym, you know, is just so good for your health. Leanna Blount is an African-American and Puerto Rican Bronx native trying to make a change in her community. She is paving the way, making vegan comfort food in the very way our mamas, nanas, and abuelitas made but better. Black Rican Vegan is a pop-up that puts a vegan twist on soul food and Puerto Rican cuisine to vegan desert areas. Black Rican Vegan offers delivery and pickup service and pop-ups through New York City and other states. The Black Rican Vegan concept was born during the COVID pandemic. Something that started as a hobby evolved into a full-blown business, showcasing her passion of creating many traditional dishes, but with a vegan twist. In this episode, you get to meet Leanna Blount, hear her story of how she became vegan, how it evolved into an entire brand, a little bit about her childhood, and how you can learn how to make delicious Puerto Rican and soul food. Hello, Leanna Blount. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, this is super exciting. I got a copy of your cookbook that was released this year, and it is just mouthwatering. I'm actually Panamanian, so I'm from oh, nice. Panama, and we have a lot of similar things. Like, wandu, pigeon peas, is my favorite bean. So, arroz con wandu, we, we do arroz con wandu y coco in Panama. Oh, it's, like, great. Nice. So, I can't wait to try some of these recipes. They look amazing. But let's start okay. from the beginning. Why yes. and when did you become vegan? So I started my vegan journey back in 2016. Um, this was a time where I was just, it was my first time living alone. I made a schedule for myself to go to work and work out, work on my fitness. I just wanted to be healthier and be mentally strong. And I also kind of wanted to heal myself. So I started to like pick up self-help books. Um, my friend at the time was vegan, so she was teaching me about like holistic lifestyle and how natural remedies is just more better for the body and it could also aid in uh, healing, like using natural remedies for on your body, in your body. So I just took an interest to it and she would take me to eat at different vegan restaurants. And I've been the type that was never a picky eater, so I've always enjoyed the food that we would go out to eat. And um she had recommended me to read a book called Skinny Bitch. And um, I read it and I was really turned off by the way the animals were being processed before they hit our plate. And being that I was focused on 
how energy transfers and just a more holistic lifestyle. I um, couldn't see myself eating meat anymore. So I made the transition back then. And I think it's been like the biggest blessing of my life. Wow, that's amazing. And it's actually pretty recent. You haven't been vegan for even 10 years. And mm-hmm. it must have been something that was meant to be for you because you've yeah. created an entire business and brand around it. So tell me the story about that Black Rican vegan. How did that come about? Yeah, so when I was doing the whole holistic lifestyle, and I was being super healthy. Um, I've always loved to cook. So I would just post my healthy meals on Facebook back in 2016. And um, my friend at the time came over and I would always feed my friends and he was like, you should meal prep. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. So I just kind of like jumped into meal prepping. I thought of a business name. Um, My boss at the time was giving me a lot of business advice and I would cook food at home. I would make meals. It was about five to 10 meals for um, a small amount of clients that I had. And then I would deliver it to wherever they lived. And that was mainly in the Bronx, New York. So um, as I was doing this, I started to uh, create more vegan meals because that's what I was eating at the time. I was still cooking with meat, but I just wanted to eat my own vegan meals. And then I started to incorporate it in my menu that I had for meal prep. And a lot of my customers were interested in trying the vegan meals. So I just felt like it was uh, a good thing. I was educating them and giving them something new that they weren't really used to eating, especially uh, being vegan. And then I started to get a few vegan clients. And um, I thought of the name because I just, I'm half Black and I'm half Puerto Rican. And at the time I was like, you know, I'm vegan now. And it just sounded good. And I had my friend made me up a logo and I just had like this vision for it at the time, but I didn't execute it until 2020 um, when I was home more and I was cooking more vegan foods and posting it on my Black Vegan Vegan page that I had just made. And from there, it just kind of took off. And, you know, the name was truly aligned with who I am. It's, It's truly aligned with who I am. And it's just been a hit since. That's amazing. And then you've continued to cook for others. So it's not just the pictures of food that you're posting that you're eating for yourself. Like you're actually preparing food for others. So right now, tell me about what your business structure is like. Is it mostly pop-ups or are you actually still doing like meal prep and, and that kind of thing? So when I first started, um, I stopped doing prep to go because we had lost the kitchen during the pandemic. And uh, Black Wiggy Vegan was kind of taken off a little more. So I took that on just part time and I kind of left prep to go alone. Uh, the people who were following me were asking me to make a menu for them so they could try the food. So I posted a menu. I would take orders on Wednesday and then shop for the food Thursday and Friday after work because I was still working and prepare the food. And then Saturday and Sunday, I was cooking the food and making deliveries. I did that for almost a year from my Bronx apartment. And then um, the demand started to grow more. My friend was pushing me out my comfort zone. She was like, you have to get a kitchen. So we rented a commercial kitchen and we started doing pop-ups. We started doing pop-ups in Miami, Los Angeles, Morgansburg in New York, um, Uptown Night Market, Rock the Bells, Curl Fest. So we've been kind of rocking out as a pop-up for right now. We also do like catering and production and we're doing our first uh, brunch and dinner experience this Saturday. Wow, you are a busy woman. 
Mm-hmm. I bet it felt amazing going from your Bronx kitchen. I'm assuming that your Bronx kitchen is not super huge. That's just most things in New York <laughs> aren't. So going to an actual commercial kitchen probably felt amazing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it allowed me to hire more people to help me um, prepare all the food and it just gave me the space and we was able to take on bigger events now that I had a bigger space in the team to execute and deliver all this food. Yeah. You said you've always liked to cook. I read in your cookbook, you know, when you told your story at the beginning that you've been cooking since you were a little girl. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like who were your cooking inspirations and when did you realize that you actually had a gift for this and you were able to use that gift to share it with other people? I don't know. I I, I went to a class. I was very young. I forgot what grade I was in. And uh, we made pizza and I just thought it was so much fun. So I had went home and I was messing with the flour and the water. I made a big mess because I was trying to make the pizza at home because I just had so much fun. And I liked the fact that we got to work with different ingredients and then we got to eat it afterwards. That was like, you know, amazing. And um, my mom, she's like, you're making a mess. What are you trying to make? I was like, I was trying to make pizza. I had dough and stuff all over my pans. So um, after that, my mom, she was always like the host of all the parties. So our home was where our whole family would come for all the gatherings, birthday parties, events, holidays. And it was her and my uncle who would do most of the cooking. So I would just go to the kitchen, ask what they were making and ask if I could help. I made a few mistakes, but it was always fun to me. My uncle, he always had a passion for cooking and he would be so excited about the things he would create and I would just try it and it would taste good. So I think my love for cooking just grew naturally and it grew with, you know, them teaching me how to cook and seeing how it brings the family together and, you know, it's delicious and people come to our home because, you know, we're the hostess and, you know, they take food to go. So I always just felt like it was something really special about it and it, it allowed me to be creative and, my mom, she would work, uh, she was going to work. She was a young, you know, single mother. She was going to work during the day and then going to school at night. So uh, be that I knew how to cook, she would leave out me and she's like, cook something for yourself and your siblings. And I would do just that. And I did that for years and my friends would come over and I would cook for them. I still have friends who would contact me to this day. Like, I remember you was the first one who uh, uh, made me grits like I, I would never forget that memory it's like I have so many friends who tell me like it was their first time ever eating something that I made for them and that just like feels super special for me that's amazing well I'd love to know what your favorite vegan creation has been whether it's you know a, more of a Puerto Rican traditional thing or something different what have you made that you remember having non-vegan but then you veganized it and you were like oh my gosh this is the best I would definitely say it would have to be my jackfruit banil or my jackfruit chicharong. The jackfruit banil is like a take on the Puerto Rican banil, which is pork shoulder. And um, I would see like certain vegans use jackfruit to do like barbecue sliders. And I'm like, okay, well, if they're using it as a pork substitute, uh, banil is a pork and maybe I could use jackfruit as a banil substitute. So the idea kind of came about that way. And that was actually one of the first recipes that I had posted and people couldn't believe that it was vegan. So I would say that dish kind of like changed my life. 
<laughs> That's amazing. And so creative for you to be like, okay, well, let me apply it in this way. And I think that's what it takes is just that courage and that creativity to try new things and to play around with things and not be afraid in the kitchen. So I yeah. think you definitely have that. You have that spirit of curiosity and, and courage in the kitchen. You've um, obviously been very successful and people love your food. And I can tell a lot of your pop-ups and events, they're selling out. Have you gotten to a point ever where you're like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. It's overwhelming. I don't know if I want to cook this much for so long. Have you had mm -hmm. any of those feelings? All the time. All the time. I would call my friends or I'd call my mom crying. And now she makes fun of me. She's like, I, you know, it's not normal if I don't get at least one phone call from you every month saying that you want to give up. Because <laughs> it, it does become a lot. And you know, I always want to try to give the people what they want. And we're still such a small team working with, you know, in the commercial kitchen that we have to pay like a lot of money for hourly. And we're still trying to work our way up to a brick and mortar. So um, Black Wiggy Vegan, I mean, I'm blessed that it has expanded and, you know, it continues to grow. But the demand gets hard to reach sometimes, especially when I'm still the one like mainly in the kitchen cooking most of the food. and People want me to come to this pop-up and that pop-up or come to this state or come to this event. So it just, it does become a lot, but um, I don't know. I just feel like I sacrificed so much to make this work and I do have my moments where I cry, but then I just allow myself to cry and then I just get back to work. Like, okay, well, you know, if I feel overwhelmed or if this is exhausting, what can I do to pivot or where, where am I not asking for help? How can I get support? Um, what can I do differently? How can I make time for myself? And then, you know, when I'm feeling good, put that energy into the business so that people could truly get the best of me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, that's so important. I find too, as a business owner and entrepreneur, that we are always taking a step back and thinking about how can I make this sustainable? Because obviously, if it's so popular, people love it. We're doing something for other people. We're, we're bringing joy and health into their lives, but we don't want to do it at the expense of our own health and our own mm -hmm. mental health and happiness. So taking a step back every once in a while and be like, okay, what do I need to do? to make this into a marathon and not a sprint where I'm burned out. I've had to do that so many times because it's hard for me to learn that lesson. So <laughs> just, you know, I identify with you a lot. Mm. Well, let's take a step back because I know that in your book, you also wrote about, you know, you went through your own journey of wanting to find health and holistic living, that kind of thing. But what about your family? How has chronic disease impacted your family? And how has that affected your mission and your business and, and what you want to bring to other people? Yeah. So, um, sometimes I feel like I don't know if it's normal, but, um, I had lost a lot of family members. I, I was seeing a span of like 10 to 15 years. A lot of them who were close to me, like all my grandparents, um, 
my dad in 2020, my aunt in 2021, um, my sister, she suffers from sickle cell anemia. So it's like, I, you know, notice a pattern, like just like with their health and, you know, they weren't people who really worked out a lot or ate healthy. And I didn't want to continue that cycle. There's a lot of cycles. I just didn't want to continue in general, whether it was like, you know, um, financially how they were or mentally how they were just, you know, also with their health. And I felt like I wanted to be that person who kind of changed, you know, break generational curses and just kind of made the change. And I wanted to live a healthier lifestyle because I want to live long. And if I have children, I want them to live long and I want them to understand that, um, just eating better and being uh, physical in the gym, you know, is just so good for your health, especially for mental health. I know when I work out, I feel good. And when I feel good, I'm able to do, you know, creative things and other things for other people. When I'm not at my best, I'm not able to do that. So I think it was just like a lot of unpacking and a lot of unlearning that I had to do. And that has helped me to kind of like separate from what I was used to seeing or how I was used to growing up so that I could just be better myself and not continue certain patterns in my family. It's hard when, you know, you're, you love these people and you're so close to them. And then the next day that they're gone. And then I feel like the family is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I love my family so much. My family, you know, it's like super big for me. I'm very big on family. I always want to be around my family. They have taught me so much, even with food, I wouldn't even be here without them. So um, it was something definitely heartfelt for me and, and truly emotional. And I felt like my purpose was to just be better and to, you know, break those generational curses and try, try to build new habits for myself and for my family and hopefully make an impact on the community for them to do the same. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you started out asking, I don't know if it's normal or not. And sometimes we don't know because if our whole life is a certain way, we don't know if that's the way it is for everybody. And I think that's why people just start to automatically believe, well, everybody in my family has diabetes. So obviously I'm going to get diabetes. Everybody yeah. in my family has heart disease. Well, obviously I'm going to get heart disease, you know, and this is probably the way I'm going to die. But I think sometimes when we step outside of that and start questioning, well, is it really, do we really all have to get this? Then we can start asking those questions about how we can make changes in our own lifestyle. And you're right. When we do that, we're able to pass down this new norm. Like for mm -hmm. my children, the norm is healthy eating, physical activity, getting plenty of sleep, managing your stress, meditation, like that's normal to them, you know? Yeah. And so we create this new environment, this new vision board for life that we want to set for ourselves, but it is going to affect other people. It's going to trickle down into the people that we love and the people that are around us. So congratulations on Thank being you. able to realize that and take a step beyond it and be like, I'm going to make a change because of love. It's because of love. Cause I for love sure. these people so much and I love the future generation so much that aren't here. And I want to make that change. So congratulations. 
Yes, for sure. Thank you. So speaking about that, I find your your journey super interesting and your childhood growing up in the Bronx and New York City and, you know, just such a like an exciting place filled with so much culture and vibrancy. So I'd love to hear what do you appreciate most about your childhood? I would say, you know, I grew up in a time where we weren't too much on phones. And I think that's kind of what helped me with my creativity because I used to, my idea with, of a good time when I was younger was reading a lot of books, playing outside and cooking with my family. So I kind of just missed the connection um, that I had as a younger girl, just with my family, with your outside neighbors, connecting with, you know, the kids on the blog. Um, I think it's just hard to make those connections now. Everything is so social media heavy. Um, I appreciate just making those memories with my family and being able to like I've had my friends come over at the time, my neighbors and just cooking a meal for them and connecting in a more like physical way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I had a very similar childhood. There's no phones or computers. And so you just were pushed outside, go outside and play. (laughs) And of course, I was also a bookworm as well. So I loved all the reading. Is there anything about your childhood that you would change if you could? I feel like that's a tough question. There, there's a lot I wish I could change, but I think everything happens for a reason. Um, it's just hard to say, honestly, because it's, it, it, you know, trauma. And um, there's some things I wish I didn't have to go through. But I think it has played a part in my journey and it has made me the person who I am today. So I can't be, I guess, too mad about it. But if I could go back and change it, I would change certain things. Yeah. No, I understand what you're trying to say because I agree. Like it's hard to go through some of those experiences because they were painful and because yeah. they affected us negatively for some time. But at the same time, they also shaped who we are and how we see the world. So taking them away would change essentially who we are as well in some ways. So it's it's hard to say, yeah, I don't really want to have to go through all that pain, but at the same time, it's taught me something. You know, yeah. So sure. I totally understand what you're trying to say there. Well, let's go back and talk a little bit about your brand. And I would just love to know what your hopes and dreams are for the future of Black Reek and Vegan or any other, you know, plans you have, any other goals you have. What are you envisioning? Um, definitely open up our first brick and mortar in New York City. Um I would say that's a little shorter term goal. I'm trying to do that in the next year or two. Longer term, um, I've been, you know, asked to see my concept in certain airports, on beaches. So I would say just to continue to expand a franchise, Black Weekly Vegan, maybe write another cookbook, um, try to get some products in stores and just really build something beyond my wildest dreams. Just continue to expand franchise so that more people are able to get the service and get a touch of home. I love it. So since your release of the cookbook, what feedback have you heard? And for people who have never had Puerto Rican food before, where do you recommend they start? Like what would be a good starter recipe for them to introduce them to Puerto Rican cuisine? So the book has both soul food and Puerto Rican cuisine. So there's so many different types of people who could pick up this book and gain something from it. Um, I would say if you're into the soul food to start with maybe the moxtail recipe, that was a favorite and has been a favorite amongst my customers for a very long time. And for the Puerto Ricans, I would say to try 
the sofrito because the sofrito is going to be the base for a lot of recipes in the cookbook. And once you get the sofrito down, you have that flavor and you'll have that palette amongst all the other recipes. And then you can just dive into different types of stuff. The renil, the arroz gandules, um, even the chopped cheese egg rolls. So I would say start with the sofrito for sure. Yeah, I don't think you could go wrong with any of these recipes. They look completely amazing and delicious. So yeah, Thank great you. job with that. What do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that veganism is not intimidating and you can still get your protein eating a vegan diet. <laughs> um, and I would also <laughs> wish they knew that vegan food could be very flavorful and very delicious and very innovative and very creative. And there's more than just salads. And you could still have maybe the food you grew up eating just in a more conscious and better way. Yes. Yes. That's so important to tell people because there are so many people that still think vegan means salad which is mm -hmm. usually very low calorie density, not even like a hearty salad, just like a plain right. little side salad and maybe <laughs> like an apple or a piece of fruit. Then they end up like hungry and starving. But really, I've had so many people on this show from so many different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, and they were able to find ways to bring all of their cultural dishes back to life using vegan ingredients. And sometimes they thought it was even better than the original. <laughs> so yes, you know, not only I is agree. it possible, but it's delicious and it's more health promoting for us. So we can yeah. still have that best of both worlds. You know, you don't have to give up the food that you grew up loving. Exactly. I totally agree. Well, Liana, this has been great. So please tell us where we can connect with you, how we can purchase your cookbook, maybe how people can find out about your pop-up so that they can go get the food cooked straight from you, which would be amazing. Yes. So tell us all of those details. For sure. Um, I'm mainly active on Instagram, um, but our all our social medias is Black Week and Vegan, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, my email, info at blackweekandvegan.com. Um, you could buy the cookbook anywhere online, Target, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's available everywhere and it's also nationwide. And if you want to make a pop-up, just check out my Instagram or sign up to my newsletter on blackweekandvegan.com. Okay. That's very straightforward. Hopefully everybody will get a copy of this book lots of delicious recipes and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. So thank you for sharing your journey and for being generous with your time and for being brave and stepping out and, and doing something like this. So keep up the great work and I hope thank that you, you have a very plantastic day. You too. Thank you so much. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Stop. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.